Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Goslowski here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Excellent, how are you? Oh, not too bad, thank you. Excellent. And uh, the reason I'm just using that word excellent all the time today so far is that we are deep in the heart of festival season here in Toronto. It's festival season, I'm sure, everywhere. So for today, we're going to focus on just one festival, um, but just not just any festival. It's the 27th edition of this festival, and it is one of North America's best known, certainly one of North America's best-known Asian festivals, if not the world. It's the Toronto Real Asian International Film Festival. It has started and it is running until November the 19th. And so all sorts of cinema from Asian and Pan-Asian and just like filmmakers from all over the world, including local, especially local, all sorts of media artists, and there are all sorts of events as well, including there's always food events and stuff. You can bring your kids. There's like a, a we Asian section, which is always wonderful. But, you know, talks and chats and panels and like parties and like everything you can think of. So it's a big deal. We're going to start with uh, a discussion of a Canadian film. And it's the Toronto premiere of this film called We Will Be Brave, directed by Chrisanne Hessing. And this is her first feature. This one is about the good guys. And guys is spelled G-U-I-S-E. And it's an artist collective in Toronto. And it was, they formed it, uh, these male and male identifying individuals formed this collective to to just have conversations around healthy masculinity, realizing there was too much toxic masculinity, but also realizing that in some ways that uh, the, the individuals were realizing that sometimes they participated in like toxic forms of masculinity. And so I have to admit, uh, it's a very intimate doc, which, which I appreciate very much. These are the kinds of docs that really get you and really draw you in. At least they do with me. And so it's a portrait of this group, but it's also a portrait of each of the individuals in the group. And I have to admit that at first, when I was watching the film, when, when she's establishing sort of the group and, and the members, which you, you have to do in a documentary, right? In order to I st start to identify with people. Um, at first I thought, okay, this is all kind of familiar because the, we there have been so many discussions, whether they've been direct or indirect about toxic masculinity and the effects of toxic masculinity. But then I realized that it was really grabbing a hold of me because these individuals and the, the, the filmmaker were getting so candid and the discussions were getting more and more courageous and I'm not used to that kind of candor coming directly from a possible source of toxic masculinity, being that honest with themselves, being that honest with me, with whoever is in the audience. I mean, what an incredible experience this is going to be to be in the audience and collectively experiencing this individual sharing their story 
So I think this is, uh, you know, an incredible film. We will be brave. Yeah, I, I quite in, enjoyed it as well. And it, it's funny because it's a film about toxic masculinity. And yet I didn't feel that the men, at least at the state that we were seeing them, were toxic. And, and in many ways, it felt like they were trying to cope with the pressures of having to to play the role of a toxic individual when a lot of them either are just not that way or a lot of them are dealing with pain issues um whether it be mental physical what have you from the past that has caused them to be angry and 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 they have no place to resolve this anger or this hurt and because of the fact that a lot of them appear angry they are immediately viewed as a as a certain type of man you know and they're trying to buck that um appearance while still navigating the what it means to to deal with these various forms of trauma if you if you if you will it's it's a really fascinating film and i had never heard of the good guys as an organization and I find their approach and their mission really fascinating. And they talk about, you know, in the film about how the organization struggles for funding and it's, and I could see that happening. And it's really sad because this is something that we always talk about. We talk about mental health. We talk about toxic masculinity. And when you have active groups trying to solve these problems, trying to get men to come together and talk in a way that, society doesn't really allow them to there's no support you know there's no financial yeah. support because people don't deem it as a as a serious issue and again kind of playing into the whole narrative yeah. so this film really is it was really eye-opening and um it, what i also liked about it is you have groups that are from basically the various misrepresented underrepresented groups you because you have a lot of minorities but you also have the lgbtq um, the indigenous it's just all these men are coming together and that adds a whole other layer to the the burdens that they they face and the expectations that come with their their daily life so yeah i thought it was a really fascinating documentary yeah you know and i think you brought up a really important point about um each individual talking about the anger um that they feel and but they don't have a place that like you know, this is going to be really interesting when there's going to be the discussion after the film, as well as while you're watching the film, what is going to be happening within you, any any given individual, um, and your interrelation with that individual on screen or that group of people is is this whole question is which is why, like I'm almost embarrassed to admit my first reaction to the conversation. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, toxic masculinity. And then I realized that I was participating in that, in those thoughts that I'm participating mm. in that very like dismissal of, oh, men. Yeah. You know, who cares? <laughs> men and their masculinity, uh, like stereotypical masculinity. It's like, no, it's actually more complex. And if we're going to talk about it, and if we're going to call men out on, the so-called stereotypical like masculine traits like anger, we're not helping anybody by not um, supporting individuals who are trying to work through it and who have no tools, who have no resources. And you know, in, in many cases, these these individuals, like you even pointed out, they didn't even have any people to go to, or they didn't, 
to, to like help them deal with any of these issues. And, and there I was in the, in the midst of this film doing exactly the same thing, which it's like, this is why I, I, it had such a profound effect on me is because this is a process that, that even the viewer goes through while watching, you know, the film. And, yeah. you know, you can hear me talk about it all you want. It's like, well, I didn't actually spoil anything because wait, like you have to sit in the audience and listen to, to each individual and listen to this collective and have the collective experience, right? There's a, there's definitely a lot of layers to this this film, and I don't even think it's one that you can easily spoil just by giving a synopsis because there's the discussions that they have, the the ways that they try and go about it, um, the, the way how they try to pull the community, and it's 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 all um, really engaging stuff, and it's it's one of those films where you don't realize how necessary it is to explore this subject matter especially in the way that um the director does here so it's yeah it's a it's a yeah again i keep using the word fascinating but i i feel like it there's just so many layers to it yeah. and I think, I think people will be surprised by point. it yeah i think you made the excellent point that it's it's simple but it's deceptively simple right mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's got the simple structure but that simple structure allows this filmmaker and the participants in the film to create this layered experience, right? I think that's the trick. And that's why it's like, we can talk about it all we want and we're still not spoiling it because it's the experience. Yeah. All right. So why don't you start us off on the next film? Okay. The next film we're going to talk about is uh, Seagrass and it's a, Film directed by Meredith Hama Brown. Uh, it played at TIFF early this year, and I believe it may have won an award at at TIFF, or at least was in yeah, I the. Did. I think it was the platform award. The platform was it, or yeah. the was the platform award? Um, one of the one of the awards at TIFF. We I don't have my notes with me, but yeah, I, I remember it was in the the conversation at least. Uh, awards day and it's it's a really interesting film if we're talking about um you know films that kind of have a simple premise and then kind of unfold to be a little more deeper or be something deeper um this film follows judith who's a japanese canadian woman and her husband steve as i guess when the film opens up you see them on the way to this retreat with their their two daughters um, but what you over the course of the film, you realize that this retreat is not like a typical vacation. It's actually like a place for couples to have couples therapy while their children get to experience a, a almost like summer camp like activities while the parents are sorting through their issues. And you realize that Judith and Steve are having problems. And a lot of it stems from emotions that Judith knows that she's unable to to fully um let out and that steve doesn't quite understand and due to um the recent death of her mother judith is thinking a lot about what it means to be japanese and canadian and dealing a lot with identity whereas her husband steve just doesn't see that as an issue whatsoever he looks at her as ah she's canadian there's nothing 
um, to, to focus on, where Judith is really struggling with identity. And, and it builds up even further when at the retreat, she meets this couple who seemingly have everything together. They come to this retreat all the time. And the husband of that couple is Asian. And she may be starting to grow a certain type of bond with him, um, you know, a friendship that might evolve into something more. Um, that's all I will say about that. But that adds to the the complexity of the the narrative. And then on, as a subplot, you have the daughters dealing with their own kind of coming of age in this Camp Lake setting. And all of this plays out just really measured kind of pacing, storytelling, and then slowly things start to build and starts to build and starts to build. And I, I was quite taken with this film because it, I, I didn't expect the emotional weight that the film presents, especially as it as it builds. Um, partly because it said it, it, it unfolds so slowly in its in its pacing and like the tension between the couple really starts to ratchet up. And I found that. Um, quite fascinating. And it's just a unique way of presenting a couple whose relationship is at a turning point. Um, and I and I, I think it's it's a film we're seeing. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on in this film. And this is another deceptively simple one, right? I mean, a couple, the woman feels unfulfilled and she needs to to go she needs to for them both to go and talk it out and her husband is not a talker i mean talk about issues with masculinity he's here's this guy who's like exhibiting the stereotypical traits and this film is taking place in the 90s so there are like the, the there maybe there's like this sort of past remembrance that we're having or i was having about well in the 90s people didn't really expect men to really be that open and here's this guy being very stereotypical. So I found, like I picked up on those cues and I think the film created this sort of like way of giving us cues in a certain way, like shorthand. Sometimes the shorthand didn't always work for me because it was shorthand. Um, but I think the strength of the film is in the female characters and the portrait of the female characters and the different um the different stages of womanhood that they, each of them are in. You know, one of them is in midlife sort of questioning everything and realizing certain things about life, like stopping to think, what what kind of decisions have I made at this point, right? And there's another one who's like sort of like, is she prepubescent or like the eldest daughter? Is she, or is she teen, right? Sort of like, and um, she's kind of a child, but she's kind of like, in her interactions at this camp, right? You know, as you mentioned, the kids are sort of attending like a sort of a parallel kind of camp while their parents are doing this therapy. And uh, she, her interactions with her friends are all about like growing up and boys and periods and things like that, right? And then there's the youngest and she's just, you know, she's separated from her sister uh, so she has to deal with being alone. Like the baby of the family has to ha like develop some sort of sense of independence in in a group of children her own, own age. And like she struggles with that. And uh, and like there's the the whole you know after the death of Judith's mother, like the way that it's sort of affecting 
each of the women in the family. Yeah. 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 And so there's like the ripple effect of like, you know, and then there's this sort of, and I'm going to use this word because yeah, I, I can't avoid it. It's like, there's this haunting that's going on throughout the film and you'll know what I'm talking about when, when you see it, which particularly comes down onto the, the youngest. Right. Um, and yeah, excuse me for, for being, for kind of being direct about my pun there. Sorry. Uh, but it doesn't really, the film doesn't really go there. So the film, this is like the une unevenness that sometimes, but it only was in like certain small sections. So it's easily for forgivable. You know, these are minor quibbles to borrow a phrase from you. These are minor, minor quibbles where the film would just falter for a second and like give me this, like I felt like it gave me a sort of a shorthand like little hint of like, okay, this is what's happening now, or I'm going to go into like this little bit of like haunting little bit. And I I just felt like it could have been tightened up and it could have been cleaned up in uh, certain sections. And uh, some of it was unnecessary, the sort of hinting, you know, I guess that's part of the tightening. Yeah, but, no, I, can, I can see that. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I think it had quite the the cumulative, as you say, cumulative like emotional effect. Um, that that really, you know, in an audience, it, it, especially on a big screen, is is really going to have an effect on an audience. Um, and I looked it up. This film won the Fipresci Prize, which is the Critics Prize. The international Critics, yeah. Yeah, international critics at TIFF. So. So well worth it, absolutely. Yeah, I can I can see that, especially with the um, your your point about the unevenness, especially with the haunting. Um, I can see that because there's there are times where the film does um, lean heavily on the impacts of the the youngest, um, and I think that kind of plays into the sense of mysticism, and then it kind of drops it for lengthy period and kind of brings it back and then drops it again and it i think that also kind of affects how you view the the overall um ending of of the film um which but overall it's it still it still worked for me but those are those are some valid points yeah like i said minor points, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, um but overall yeah a very strong film and you know i don't know if we pointed this out but it's a first feature so this is an incredible debut by a Canadian filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll think of one more since we're talking about mothers and daughters. Uh, there is a film that's playing um, the festival that I saw at TIFF called The Queen of My Dreams. And it's directed by um, Fazia Mirza. And it's a really fascinating tale about a mother and daughter struggling to connect after the death of um, the mother's husband. Um, it's, a, a, it's a sudden death. So you have Azra, who is a queer Muslim woman um, who essentially has to go to Pakistan with her mother, Miriam, and her brother so that they can bury her, her father. And you have a bit of like culture clash, but it's really a young woman who is re not really rebellious, but booking against 
traditional customs, um, partly because she doesn't fully understand them, but also a lot of those traditional customs exclude women. Um, and that plays a huge role in the, the mourning process. Um, so as you have this daughter trying to come to terms with um, the, the death of her father, the growing kind of divide with her mother who's mourning in her own kind of way, the film links the mother's story and the daughter's story through their love of a particular Bollywood film. And they uses this VHS Bollywood film as a way to kind of transport you into the mother's story. So what happens is on one level, you're, you're seeing the modern day mother and daughter. Then on the next level, you have the daughter, the mother's story, which is told by the same actress who's playing the daughter. So she's playing both the daughter in one version and playing her mother in the other one. And you see how the mother met the father and you start to get a better understanding of the mother because you're getting to see her, her life um, and how she was essentially rebelling against her mother at certain points. And as I said, the, these two parallel narratives are being tied together through a Bollywood movie, which adds a third layer. I know it sounds confusing, but trust me, it works on the screen. It's it's quite That's delightful. And it's, with all these, yeah, with all these interactions. It's yeah, and when the film jumps back through various times, you completely follow with what's going on. You start to get the humor of the recurring um, Bollywood references to this uh, particular film, and it it all works wonderfully. the The cast does a great job. It's you know the film visually is is quite striking. It's full of color just beautifully shot the only complaint i have for it is i thought it ran a tad long but outside of that i was i was pleasantly surprised by it and um, it was one of those films that i remember during tiff i was telling a lot of people like if you're looking for a hidden gem go see the queen of my dreams like it's you know i was, I was talking to a lot of people about it and then those who I encountered that absolutely that saw, they absolutely loved it as well. And everyone had the same expectations. It's like, oh, we went in thinking it might be a you know simple mother daughter tale, and it was like it was really good. It's like I know. And so um, it's definitely one that I, I highly recommend. And as a Canadian film, it it's it's also heartwarming to see that Canadian cinema, as we've seen over the last couple of years, keeps evolving every year. It keeps getting you know just. Filmmakers are just doing interesting things, and I feel like this one has a lot of mainstream appeal while still keeping its story, its narrative, with a complete, um, distinct director vision. And you know, in Canadian cinema, sometimes we don't quite get those type of films. Like I would say, this film, Blackberry is another one. Even Solo are ones where I feel they have broad appeal. But yet yeah. you still get the distinct directorial vision. Um, and again, so if you're looking for a film that will make you laugh, might make you shed a little tear, but at the end of the day, just make you feel good and you know have a really well-told story, then I, I highly recommend The Queen of My Dreams. That sounds incredible. Now I want to see it. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you, it, what you said about Canadian cinema, I'm not going to add to it because I think you you said an incredibly important and, and incredibly uh, insightful thing 
And uh, I'm glad you said it because, yeah, we don't celebrate Canadian cinema enough. I mean, I know you and I talk about it, but I, I think I feel like uh, people just don't generally as a group. But it's not a Canadian thing, right, to celebrate Canadians. Yeah, yeah. outside of Quebec, I, I find that we still treat um, English Canadian films, English language Canadian films as well, they're artsy, like there's the perception that they're only one thing. Um, the Quebec industry, they they're all, they can be everything. They can be yeah. comedic, action, drama, comedy, what have you. Um, but I find that a lot of people still look at Canadian film as it must be a certain type of film. It either has to be very abstract or one that the critics love, but audiences don't go see in theater where it's like no we actually have the last couple of years like you know just like queen of my dreams blackberry brother uh even rice boy sleeps like you know films yeah, that yeah. are couldn't reach a a broad audience um that you know we really people just need to start taking chances on and uh, yeah. i think this yeah, is a, a great crowd pleaser yeah people taking chances i mean that's what's as you said a crowd pleaser it's that's what's speaking to people so um it's great to see all these young filmmakers newer filmmakers right yep. given the opportunity and, and given the money and the resources to to do these to do these things because as you and i are are proving just with some of these discussions it's like you give them the resources look what you get get yeah. incredible like return a, a like creative return like public response return not just financial. So. Yeah, and it's got, you know, one of the days where, like, there was a time where it was like, you know, if the film was Cronenberg-esque or going-esque, like, you know, it would get yeah. funding. Now we're starting to see more funding models change, um, more directors giving a chance to, that wouldn't got a chance before, and they're taking the ball and running with it. So, you know, we will always continue to promote and talk about Canadian cinema here and you know hopefully more more people will will embrace it all right i agree with you now that uh that's it for frameline for this week uh i will remind everyone that we we've been talking about the 27th edition of the toronto real asian international film festival those are just a few of the great films from canada all over the world that you're going to see uh, at the festival, go to realasian.com for all the information you need. So for Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Gosowski. This has been Frameline. Thanks for listening.